0: Live well, die well. Live well, die well. Uh, We're going to give some thought to how to do that this morning. Question, when I grow up, I want to be like blank. Who? Who do you fill in the blank with? When you were younger, and for those of you that are younger now, who do you fill in that blank with? And for those of us who, Uh, have walked a few days on this earth. Who do we try to model our lives after? Do you give it any thought? Uh, Should we? For me, uh, on a humorous aside here, Teresa just wishes that I'd grow up, period. And I am working on that. (laughs) But uh, uh, As a young boy, I loved baseball. And uh, as an old boy, I still love baseball. (laughs) I used to lay up at night in my bed and listen to the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, on radio, under the sheets when I was supposed to be sleeping. and This was before the Royals, so uh, the Royals didn't even exist yet, but in 1967 when I was a young boy, uh, the St. Louis Cardinals won the World Series. Such an exciting year for me. Uh, World champions, the best team there was, I was so excited. I had lots of heroes on that team and I wanted to grow up and be just like many of them. One of them who was my favorites was Bob Gibson, a great pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, Still has major league records today, 40 years after he's been retired. He had the lowest ERA ever of of 1.1. It means he allowed one run per game for an entire season. It's just just amazing. Uh, On another aside, the Royals selection to the All-Star team this year had an earned run average of five. So, and he was our all-star. So that, that tells you a little bit about how good Bob Gibson was. He won seven World Series games in a row over three years. He was a power pitcher, very dominating, very much like the Roger Clemens of a few years ago that Zach and I go around and around about. And I was determined to be like Bob Gibson as a young boy. Number 45, he had two Cy Young Awards, which is the award given to the best pitcher in baseball. He had 268 strikeouts in in one year. He threw a perfect game. He helped the Cardinals win two World Series championships during the sixties. I was going to be like Bob Gibson. I got his book, and I didn't read in those days. Uh, I I didn't read. Matter of fact, I'm trying to make up for it now. I, I wasn't much of a reader in those days, but this book was by and about Bob Gibson. So I got his book, and it was the first book I can remember owning and reading. It was. It was titled From Ghetto to Glory, and it was the story of Bob Gibson and how he came out of a very uh, impoverished situation where his father wasn't uh, around and and started out in, in very tough times and and yet he made it to the big leagues and i thought bob can do it i can do it the next year playing baseball out at scab i pitched and i loved it and we won our league and i received mvp honors and it was just such a great time because i was becoming like bob gibson and i thought about it and i dreamed about it and i worked very hard becoming like Bob Gibson. I had other heroes on the team. Lou Brock stole 118 bases. And uh, I was fast, so I started stealing bases. And Kurt Flood was a gold glove center fielder, and so when I wasn't pitching, I was shagging balls out in center, center field. I have Kurt Flood's autograph on a baseball. To this day, it's still on my dresser. I told you I should grow up earlier. <laughs> They're all future Hall of Famers, great ball players. They were my heroes, and I wanted to be just like them. Uh, I do get it naturally. For those of you that don't know, I'm named after a St. Louis Cardinal baseball player, Stan Musial. So uh, my dad obviously passed this on to me as well. My nickname throughout life has been Stan the Man. And uh, not a bad nickname, as nicknames go. I've heard a lot worse, actually. <laughs> Uh, But but as I got a little older, played a lot of baseball, too much baseball, every summer, all summer, not allowed to do anything else. We traveled, and you couldn't swim during weeks where you had four or five, six ball games, and you couldn't go out to the farm and see Grandpa, and you just couldn't do anything else. I, I, I burnt out as a very young, young boy. No problem, I found a new passion, the out of doors, and all the activities that go along with it. Hunting and fishing and hiking and camping, I I simply loved it. And I I still do. And as luck would have it, I found a TV program, The Sportsman's Friend with Harold (laughs) Inslee. Any of you uh, date yourself and remember that uh, that program? Uh, It was a great program. It was on Sunday mornings, and I got up on Sunday mornings thinking about The Sportsman's Friend. Think about that for a little bit. And amazingly, the fish were always biting. You know how these shows go? Uh, It looks like they're just reeling them in one after another. It might have been hours between fish, and they were using videotape to trick me, but it looked to me like the fish were always biting, or they were always uh, able to to get their game if they were hunting. I looked forward to Sundays for wrong reasons, and when I grew up, I wanted to be like Harold, spend all my time hunting, fishing, being the out of doors. I thought that would just be great, and I started reading and studying how to do that and my first magazine subscription was to a magazine called Outdoor Life and that sort of sort of describes what I was interested in and, and I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if you're beginning to see a pattern here. I'm, I'm wondering if you're beginning to see a problem here with Stan and his priorities. I was a Christian during this time but I wasn't taking my faith very seriously at all. As a matter of fact, uh, I wasn't becoming more like Christ. I wasn't investing time to do so. I became more like Bob Gibson. How? Well, I worked at it. I practiced. I studied. I read his book. And for Harold Inslee, uh, I became more like him as well for the very same reasons. But as far as becoming more like Christ, I wasn't working very hard at that at all. I wasn't reading his book. I wasn't studying his word. I wasn't trying to become more like Christ. And I don't mean to knock baseball or any other sport or the outdoors. Uh, They're great and certainly in their proper places. They're they're absolutely wonderful. Maybe your personal heroes uh, were or are different. Maybe you looked up to musicians or actresses or writers or politicians or, or whoever that may be. But when priority is not given to Christ and becoming more like Christ, then we need a little pruning, don't we? If things are getting in the way of our walk with the Lord and our uh, desire to become more like Him each and every day, then we need to be pruned. If I'd been spending time in God's Word, I might have found some better heroes, people that would have helped me learn to give glory to to God instead of those who were receiving glory unto themselves. Our Bible is full of heroes and... uh, I could name many, uh, Joshua and Joseph and David and Moses and, oh my goodness, Isaiah and Hosea and all the prophets that Mike's been teaching on and Matthew and Mark and Luke and John and Paul and so many others. We get to Acts chapter 6 and 7 and, he, and a man by the name of Stephen shows up. And this morning, we're going to take a look at the life of Stephen and see if he's worth looking up to see if he is worthy of being a role model for us as Christians, a real hero, someone who will help point us towards Christ. His whole story, at least what we know of it, is told in Acts chapter 6 and 7, and you can turn there if you'd like. We'll be referring to that a number of times over the morning. Just two chapters, a couple of pages in God's Word, uh, but they sure are action-packed. And I want to share a few observations about Stephen and his life that I think we can apply directly to our lives today. Mike in his teaching has been majoring in the minors, I almost said minoring in the majors, I guess it's majoring in the minors. And Stephen in the New Testament is certainly a very minor player with what I think we all know is a very major testimony. The setting is the early church, the early days of the church and the church is growing. Fast And many people are coming to know Christ. A very exciting time. Can you imagine what it must have been like? And for the disciples, their main focus is preaching and evangelizing and prayer. And uh, yet there are so many other needs within the church, maybe not unlike any other church that there is today. Uh, The example we're dealing with here were the widows, who along with the spiritual food that they had received, through God and through God's Word and the message of Christ, they needed some physical food as well. They needed some bread, and this took time, and it took work, and it took people who were willing to serve. Stephen is chosen to be the leader of this group. Why? Because he was was said to be a good and godly man. We don't know much about Stephen's past, but we do know that since he met Christ, from the time he met Christ, His life was characterized, Acts 6, 8 says, as a man full of God's grace and power. That would be great to be said about any of us, wouldn't it? Full of God's grace and power. It's like that for us, isn't it? Our life before Christ is of little consequence, but making the most of our life since Christ is what matters. Are we making a difference? In a great line from the Lord of the Rings, when Frodo is complaining about his job, his assignment, his calling, his duty as ring bearer to transport this ring, and he's really not much, he's not liking his assignment much. He's wishing he had a different job, maybe sitting back by the fire eating another meal as, as Frodo would have enjoyed. Uh, and he's, he's complaining, and Gandalf listens to him, and, and very wisely Gandalf says to him, But that is not for us to decide, Frodo. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. What will we do with the time that is given to us, our most precious resource, our time, and how do we spend it? Stephen has used his time well and wisely and is being recognized for his wisdom here. But notice what job he's chosen for. He's chosen to be the twelfth disciple. No, that job's already been taken, hadn't it? Uh, Judas has already been replaced. He's chosen for a prestigious position within the body of believers. No, not, not really. Uh, he's chosen for a high-ranking appointment in the leadership of the new church. Well, no to all of those. Acts six chapter two, 6, verse 2 says this, It would not be right for us, the disciples, to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. Stephen, this incredible man of God that we know so much about already and we'll learn more about in the verses to come, was chosen to be a waiter, a servant. Anybody in the past work as a waiter or a waitress? Any, any, any of you? Yeah, I see a few hands going up. Anybody currently work as a waiter or a waitress? I, I made it as high as busboy at one uh, one job that I had. And I... I don't remember thinking I was called by God for that job. <laughs> okay, I was glad to get on to another job. Anyone ever volunteer for Meals on Wheels, the program that we have here in Topeka? Yeah, I see some hands, hands go up delivering meals to folks who are shut in and, and can't get out. It's, it's a wonderful ministry here. Stephen was basically chosen for that. He was chosen for that position to, to head up Meals on Wheels of their time and he didn't complain or request a better job or ask for a different calling or say, why this, God? He willingly and readily accepted his calling. So, so far, what are we learning about Stephen? Well, we know that he lived a good and godly life from the time that he met Christ as his Savior. And we've learned that he's willing to serve, to do what is asked of him, to meet the needs of the growing community of Christ. And thirdly, We learn that he spent time in Scripture, studying God's Word. Very, very important. Uh, I told you how much time I spent in this as a young child. I was more interested in outdoor life or books about baseball players than I was about this, this book. But Stephen knew God's Word, and he got into a discussion with some Jews at the temple. And verse 10 says they could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by which he spoke. Almost all of chapter 7 is his testimony before the Sanhedrin, the court that is, uh, that is uh, questioning him. And he recounts the story of God's chosen people from Abraham clear to the current time of Christ and, and Christ's ascension into heaven. And he does so boldly. He knows his scripture and he's ready to speak it when called upon, and he does so boldly. He certainly is not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, no matter the consequence. And uh, we'll read a little bit about those consequences shortly. He reminds me a lot of Peter and John before the Sanhedrin. Just a couple of chapters earlier where they're arrested for their uh, affiliation with Christ, and their sentence is, well, you can go, but don't say anything more about this Jesus. And Peter and John say, sorry, can't help it you haven't been where we've been and seen what we've seen and experienced what we've experienced, Uh, we can't help but speaking about what we have seen and heard. And that's Stephen here. So we know that he's lived a good and godly life. We know that he was willing to serve and was full of the Spirit, and he spent time in Scripture and was willing to proclaim it boldly. Someone we can look up to, I, I, I think, absolutely pretty good. Uh, Would we like that to be said of us after we passed? I I think we would. Can we consider Stephen someone to look up to, his life, someone to model ours after? Uh, You bet, a role model for those of us who are Christians. And for those of you who are younger and looking for role models, uh, think about Stephen. He's, He's a great one. Stephen lived, lived very, very well, but there's, but there's more to the story, isn't there? Stephen also died very, very well. Let me read a few verses about the, from the end of uh, chapter 7, verse 54 through 60 at the end. If I can, you can follow along. When they heard this, Stephen's testimony before the court about Christ, They were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the hand of God. And Saul was there giving approval to his death. Stephen lived well. He certainly died well. Do you ever think about that? How you will die, what you will be like when you'll die, what you'll say during those moments, what will go through your mind? Do you want to be like Stephen? Yikes, Uh, stoned to death. Maybe not, but what about his attitude at the time of his death? What about his very last actions on this earth? Praying, seeking and asking God to forgive those who were killing him, even in the midst of their very loud and violent hatred towards Christ that they were taking out on Stephen. And seeing Christ waiting for him in heaven. The way I look at it, it doesn't get much better than that. Stephen lived well. Stephen died well and my challenge to us and the challenge to me this morning is certainly for us to do the same thing because I think right now in heaven Stephen is doing very well and uh, we sometimes think that this earth is more important than it is and yet what's truly important is how we live and how we die Stephen lived well And Stephen died very, very well. Young people, if you're looking for a hero, uh, Stephen is certainly one that fits the bill. Um, I think it's okay to look up to uh, somebody like Bob Gibson. But I'll just tell you from my life, I had Bob Gibson up here and I had Christ here. And the Stephens of the world, I didn't even know about because I wasn't spending time in my Bible. So make sure you get that uh, going the other direction. Stephen came to know Christ as his Savior. He lived a good and godly life and was full of Christ's Spirit. He had a servant's heart and was willing to do whatever was asked within the church at the time. He studied his Scripture, and not only did he spend time reading it, but when he was called on to recite it, to speak it, he was ready, wasn't he? And we need to be as well. And not only was he ready to share it with his friends in a very friendly setting, but he was willing to share it with the court, those that he knew were going to persecute him and ultimately kill him. And he died well, and he was ushered into Christ's presence in heaven. What a life. He may have come up short as earthly rewards go, but again, uh, he didn't go out bitter. He went out in a very similar way to Christ, didn't he? Christ died while he was... Uh, asking forgiveness for those who were killing him. And Stephen did exactly the same thing, forgiving those people who were inflicting such horribly violent pain and death on him. Stephen truly lived well, and he died well. And may his life be a challenge for us today. Let's pray. Dear Lord, as we seek to become more like you, we thank you for role models like Stephen, great examples that you've given us from scripture and, and as we're so bombarded Lord with cultural messages of, of who we should be like and what we should look like and what we should do Lord take us back to your word take us back to scripture and remind us that we're to spend each and every moment of each and every day becoming more like you studying you learning your word and being willing and ready to live and speak for you in a day as we learned already in Sunday school that is so antagonistic towards you and your creation and your great love for us. Lord, help us to be salt. Help us to be light. Help us to be a sweet aroma in the world that that we live. In Jesus' name, amen.